Welcome to the podcast of Apostles by the Sea Anglican Church in Rosemary Beach, Florida. You can find out more about us on our website at ApostlesByTheSea.com. Thanks for listening. My daughter Meg, who sings up here with Shelly, Meg started high school over at South Walton High. And I don't know about you, but I remember those first few weeks of high school myself, wondering if I'd fit in, wondering if I would make friends. Would anybody notice me? Would anybody see me? Taking her to school in the morning and watching all those kids head into school, just pour in. I wonder how many of them feel like I did as a brand new ninth grader. I wonder how many of them feel like nobody sees them, that nobody knows what it's like to be them. Maybe nobody cares. You know, there are a lot of people in the world who spend their lives almost invisible. I think about the homeless in every major city, and I think about the way people are careful not to see them. People, uh, they try not to make eye contact. Don't even slow down. Act like they're not there. Act like you don't see them. Okay, so when I'm wearing this collar, see this collar? When I'm wearing this collar, it's impossible to act like I don't see people. And homeless people, if they see me, they, they make a beeline to me because they know that I'm not allowed to not see them. Okay? I can't ignore them. It's not allowed. Not while I'm wearing my collar. I was at Costco just a few weeks ago in Tallahassee. I was there for a church meeting, and so I was in my collar. And there was a man, forlorn-looking, sitting away from the Costco, the entrance to Costco, but sitting there. And sure enough, he saw me, and I saw him. And he waved at me and asked me to come over and talk to him for a while. And so I ended up talking to that guy and praying with that guy for about 20 minutes. I just needed to run into Costco because when I'm, when I, whenever I'm in Tallahassee, my family, we, we have this, um, I don't know, it's just a, it's a need, a pathological need for the Costco pre-cooked bacon. It's thick cut. It's amazing. Let me know. I'm making another trip next month. I'll bring you some. All I wanted to do was get about eight packs of, the, of that pre-cooked bacon. Pre-cooked bacon. Five or ten minutes tops. I'd be in and out. But when that man stopped me, what, what, what was going to be a quick trip to Costco ended up taking far longer and costing a lot more than I had anticipated. That homeless man saw me, and I saw him. And all around us, people were studiously avoiding even looking in our direction. But in those moments of seeing and being seen, often something very holy can happen. Today, if I were to name this sermon, and maybe I will, maybe I'll just name it right now, I would call it The God Who Sees. Because it's true, you know, God sees us. And he doesn't turn away. He's not too busy. He doesn't pass us by. He's the God who sees. In our gospel reading, Jesus encounters a woman, and she's been bound for 18 years, Luke tells us, that she was bound by Satan. And Jesus, because he's the God who has come among us, because he's the God who sees us, he heals this woman, he unbinds her, and sets her free to live. And in her life, God is glorified. 
In this passage, Jesus is giving us a glimpse of what the kingdom of God is meant to be. He's giving us a glimpse of what it's like when God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And you know what we find out? We find out that, that the kingdom is a place where it is necessary that people are set free, where burdens are lifted. Like Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew, come to me, all who are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. The kingdom of God is a place where it is necessary that demonic oppression is vanquished, and Satan has no more power over us. The kingdom of God is that place where it is necessary that God be glorified in, in each one of us because we've been set free from all that binds us. The kingdom of God is that place where it's necessary that we be seen. Okay, so let's look at this passage. This is on page seven of your bulletin. Take it out. Let's look at this together. Starting at verse 10. Now Jesus was teaching in one of, those, in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight. In the Greek it said, she was made straight. And she began praising God. So let me make just a few observations. By this point, Jesus is well known throughout the whole area. He's making his way to Jerusalem. And we know that what's there in Jerusalem is the cross. And he was the guest preacher in the synagogue. And he was there teaching on the Sabbath. And while he was teaching, he saw a woman who'd been disabled for 18 years. Something had caused her to be doubled over. Luke himself, a doctor, said that it was a spirit of infirmity that she had. And look at verse 12. It says, when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. But I want you to listen to the way it reads in Greek. This is verse 12. It says this. It says, Seeing her, Jesus spoke to her and said, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Okay. So I know it's not very different. When Jesus saw her, he called her over. Or seeing her, he called her over. doesn't seem like it's very different. But here's why I, I wish the translators of this passage had just left the Greek the way it was written. Because the way the translators say it, it's, it's almost like when Jesus saw her, like it's something that just kind of happened. All of a sudden, he noticed that there was a woman there. She showed up, and then Jesus looked up and saw what was going on with her, and he decided to help her. He just happened to see her when Jesus saw her. But the way Luke wrote it, it's more immediate. It's, it's more personal. It simply says, seeing her. He spoke to her. Seeing her. He didn't just happen to notice her and help her and decide to help her. He was seeing her. He really saw her. Do you see the difference there? Jesus has come among us as the God who sees. Jesus was seeing her that day. He'd always been seeing her and seeing me and seeing you. And this woman who was so bent over, she was never able to look anyone else in the eyes. For 18 years, she was doubled over. And when I read this passage, I, I imagine Jesus 
seeing her. He's teaching the people, but he's seeing her, what's going on with her, seeing who she really is. In Psalm 113, okay, I wish it had been our psalm this morning, (laughs) because in it, we're given a great image of what God's like. And it sounds just like this passage to me. Let, me. let me just read you a few verses. It said, it says, The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who sits enthroned on high, but stoops down to behold the heavens and the earth? He takes up the weak out of the dust and lifts up the poor from the ashes. Here's Jesus teaching on the Sabbath in that synagogue. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, and like we'll confess in just a few minutes when we recite the Nicene Creed, we're talking about Jesus, the only Son of God, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, God himself who's come among us. And what is God doing there in that synagogue? He's seeing her. Is that not such a beautiful thing? You know what else is beautiful? He's seeing you, too. That's what's beautiful. He's seeing you right here, right now, right where you are today. Whatever you're going through, he's seeing you. Our God, he stoops down to behold the heavens and the earth. And can't you just see Jesus stooping down, seeing her, so he can look her in the eyes? I almost wonder if that's what he did. If he was sitting there teaching, and then he was like, I see you. I see you and I'm here to set you free. To me, that's such a touching moment. And she was healed. In our gospel reading, it says that she stood up straight. But again, in the Greek, it says she was made straight. See, this this healing is something that is happening to her. The action here is all God's. And when it happened, she was made straight. And then she glorified God. She praised God. But some there in the synagogue, they didn't like that Jesus had healed her. Look again, this is verse 14. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there's six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. To me, it's interesting that this leader needed to keep on telling the people when when you're allowed to come get healed. Kept on telling him. He seemed pretty worked up about this. All right, so I'm going to ask, this is an interactive portion of the sermon. I'm going to ask that if you've got a, if you've got a pen, or even if you just have your fingers, you can, I want you to look, because I'd like for you to circle the word ought in verse 14. There's six days on which work ought to be done. And then, and then in verse 15, but the Lord answered him, you hypocrites, does not each One of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water. You can circle that word untie in verse 15. And then in 16, And not not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day. Circle that word ought and the words be set free. In verse 16, When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame. And the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. Okay, so let's briefly look at what's going on here. Why was the leader of the synagogue upset? 
Because he believed that the thing that God wanted most from his people was obedience to the law. That's it. He believed that God wanted most from his people was that they keep the law. It's important to obey the, to the, to obey the law. And, and, and the law said this. I mean, he, he wasn't wrong. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It's one of the big ten in the Bible. And it was God's command to the people to take one day each week and to rest from their work. And so the teachers of the law, they had gotten together and decided what was permissible to do on the Sabbath. And if you violated the rules, then you violated the Sabbath. And you violated the law of God. And so, in their defense, I just want to say this. What they were trying to do is they were trying to honor God. They were, tr- they were motivated by a desire to please God. These were the good, these were the good guys. They were good, upstanding people and law-abiding citizens of the day. These were the good guys, and all they wanted to do was please God. But the thing that they got uh, wrong is this. You can't please God at the, at the expense of God's people. They wanted to please God, and they believed that the best the way to please God was to obey his commands, to obey his law. But the way the, they applied the law ended up, they got it all backwards. The leader of the synagogue was upset because in his world, there were only six days in which work ought to be done. You want to get healed? Come on one of those days. But look back at verse 15. But the Lord answered him, you hypocrites, don't each one of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give him water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound, for 18 long years be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day. Okay, so those words that I asked you to circle or at least put your finger on so you could see them. The oughts and the untie and the be set free. The, all the oughts in this passage are, are the same word. And, and the untie and the be set free, it's all the same word. This is what Jesus is saying. He says, guys, you've got it all mixed up. You'll untie your animal that's tied to a post so it can drink. There's a general exception to the Sabbath rule. It was always okay on the Sabbath to show mercy. It was always okay to show mercy. Jesus says, you'll untie your animal on the Sabbath so it can drink. But over here, you've got a daughter of Abraham. And Satan has tied her up for years. She's bound up. She's tied up. And she's thirsty for healing and life but you would leave her all tied up on the Sabbath. Can that really be what God wants? One of my favorite theologians is an Australian professor named Rick Watts. I can't decide whether it's because what he says is so profound to me or if it's in an Australian accent and so it just sounds so profound to me. I'm not really sure. But one of the things he says is that believing in God and following God, and honoring God. It's not about keeping the law. Life with God isn't about law-keeping, he says. It's about people-keeping. I love that. I love that. Don't you love that? Would it have sounded better if I had said it in an Australian accent? Maybe. Say it again? Okay. Life with God, following God, isn't about law-keeping. It's about People keeping. There you go. I love that. 
It's not about law keeping. It's about people keeping. And Jesus says, if you'll untie your animal on the Sabbath so it can drink, why wouldn't you untie a child of Abraham on the Sabbath? And then he says, not only is it permissible to unbind people on the Sabbath, but for God, it's necessary that that happen. That word ought in both of those sentences means it's necessary. So in the first sentence, the leader of the synagogue says, it's necessary that work be done on six days. And then we rest on the Sabbath. That's what's necessary to happen. That's 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 what ought to happen. And Jesus says in the same way, well, isn't it also necessary that a woman or a man, a child of God, a child of Abraham, be set free on the Sabbath? Surely that's what ought to happen. Surely that's what's necessary to happen. It's necessary to unbind them. Okay, and so if that's what Jesus said, you know what that tells us? You know what that tells us about God and what God deems necessary? It tells us that for some reason, God deems it necessary to stoop down and to see each one of us. He deems it necessary to bring healing and wholeness and life to us. He deems it necessary that people like you and me be set free from everything that binds us up. That's what he deems necessary. And the thing is, all of this is happening as Jesus is on his way to the cross. And everything we see Jesus doing, it's painting all all on the way, it's painting a picture for us of what the cross is ultimately all about. Jesus says that Satan is responsible for what uh, this woman has been suffering. He says Satan has kept her bound for 18 long years. And in seeing her and bringing healing to her and loosing her from her infirmity and freeing her from Satan's lies, he's doing in a small way in her life what he does for all of us on the cross. Listen to this from our passage from the letter to Hebrews today. Since therefore the children share flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared the same things. That's Jesus. So that through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who are all, who all live their lives, who all their lives, sorry, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. For it is clear that he did not come to help angels but the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, he had to become like his brothers and sisters in every respect so that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make a sacrifice of atonement for the sins of the people. That's what God deems necessary. Healing and wholeness and reconciliation with him. He couldn't stoop down and see his children suffering and tied up and bound by Satan and just stand by and do nothing. And so he came in the person of Jesus to do for each one of us what he did for that woman that day. And let me say this. It says that she had a spirit of infirmity. And so it might be that there was really nothing physically wrong with her at all. This is just conjecture. I'm not telling you what you have to believe, but I'm just conjecturing at this point. It could be that she had simply believed a lie that Satan had told her about herself all her life. 
It could be that someone along the way doing Satan's work had whispered in her ear lies about who she was and what she was worth and what God probably thought about her. And thinking about high schoolers and my daughter going into high school and what it was like to go back then. Can you remember how powerful those kind of words can be in a person's life? I mean, they're like a curse. And believing that lie might have caused that woman to be doubled over. A lie that she believed up here in her mind manifested itself in the way she walked around outwardly in her body all her life. But then Jesus saw her. In fact, he had always been seeing her. And seeing her, he spoke life to her, healing to her. And what a beautiful thing that is. Can I say one more thing? That woman was there that day in a place of worship, a lot like this. And she was surrounded by other worshipers. That woman was a lot like you. And Jesus was there seeing her. And you know what? He's here right now and he's seeing you. And he sees you. He sees your past. He sees what you're going through right now. He sees your future. He knows the lies that Satan has whispered in your ears. He sees how the enemy has tried to tie you up. He sees the burdens that you carry. He's here today and he sees you. And just like that woman, he wants to set you free. Because that's what our God does. He's the God who sees us and who sets us free. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for being a God who sees. For being a God who stoops down to see us. And thank you for deeming it necessary that you set us free and bring us healing. And so we cry out, God, set us free from those lies that Satan has whispered into our hearts. Set us free from the lies we've believed for years that keep us doubled over and keep us from being fully alive in you. God, we need you. And we need to know that you see us. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for being our God who sees. In Jesus' name.